0: encouragement and hope for our everyday lives. So let's take a look back at where it all began. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul to the Christians living in Ephesus, an ancient Rome city, now modern-day Turkey. The book contains Paul's teachings on faith, obedience, and how to live faithfully as individuals and as a Christian community. In this series, Pastor Bank takes us on a journey through Ephesians that will help us understand how blessed believers are, our position in Christ, and how our blessings should be reflected in our lives in the world. Remember this, God can use us to do his work in this world, no matter where we are or what struggles we may face, as long as you are seeing yourself as God sees you.
1: I said, Good morning. Hallelujah, glory be to God, amen. We want to welcome everyone this morning, those of you in the sanctuary, to this message from Go Church in Lawrenceville and to all of our friends and families online. We welcome you as well. We thank God for you. Remember, we are a Jesus community. We are building a Jesus community to serve the world. And yes, this is the first Sunday in December. A December to remember. I pray that you will indeed... Know that God will do something significant in your life this month, that it will become a memorial that you will remember for life to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, we are in for a treat. Amen. Yes. I don't even know what to say as we dive into this new series, but before I do so, let me welcome back Mr. Charles Iroha. Yes. Amen. I miss you, my friend. It's good to see you back. And the Akande's are back, they're back in the house. and Listen, you guys don't understand, you should be really, really clapping. Because they came back, we didn't have to pay a ransom. Ah, uh, no, okay, some of you didn't get that praise God. And there's Coach, 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 it's good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you. He just came back as well. You know, I keep on saying, maybe by 2026, Team USA will hire Coach. We have our coach in the house. Yeah. And if they just take advantage of the coach in the house, yeah. maybe we score some goals, amen? Yeah. But truly, we are proud of Team USA. We thank God for, yeah. yes, we are proud of them. We thank God for what they did. And we just pray that the future is yet to come and the more and better things are yet to come. And also, yeah. also, actually, also, uh, Brad Geck here is a great coach, Greg Tata. Yeah. Between Coach and Greg, man, USA's got it made. They got it made. They got it made. I just want to give a shout-out to Bright and Harmony, Uh, this young man. For those of you who don't know, this young man, Bright and Harmony in particular, along with some of the other young people, they really help us when it comes to the technology to make sure the live stream goes on <clears throat> and i just found out this morning that bright just graduated last thursday
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Charles, you owe me one for that one because i'm in town i don't know how you missed it tell me you owe me a bigly for that amen but it's it's awesome to see these, these young kids grow up in church and, and, and they just go and do great, great things for God. Yes. He has a job lined up already. His starting pay is more than what I've made. Yes. And I'm happy about that. Yes. I'm delighted about that too, really, because the truth is, it should be getting better. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory yes. be to God. Yes, thank God for them. I really appreciate them. So, the book of Ephesians. Vast. Very, very vast. Uh, I, I wrote a training manual on this about two years ago, which I've never taught in this, in this church. I taught some of it in Thailand. Uh, when was I there? This is December, right? I was there in September, okay. And even since then, God has added more to it. Uh, because since I came back from uh, Thailand, I did a, a videotaping here the School of Ministry, Uh, we talked from the Book of Ephesians, and even since then, even since I gave the title to this message to the team, uh, we already titled to this message as Seeing Yourself As God Sees You, but I can't even get there yet. That's how vast this message is, and I'm saying this to encourage every one of us. Don't miss a session. We're going to be doing this on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. Because it's so vast, I want to touch as much of the highlights as possible. The original plan was to start in January from Ephesians chapter six using a the theme, standing against your, standing your ground against the enemy, popularly known as spiritual warfare. We're still gonna do that in January but I felt there's no way for us to fully understand Ephesians chapter 6 if we don't understand Ephesians chapters 1 through 5. You're wasting your time. That explains part of the reasons and the problems we are seeing in the body of Christ when people just jump to the end of the book and they don't know what happened at the beginning. Major problem. But I'm saying all of God to say that even this morning, I cannot start on seeing yourself as God sees you because I need to go first so, do this message this morning, which I'm going to entitle, Lessons Learned from Ephesians. Lessons Learned from Ephesians. And by the time I finish, you'll understand why this is so critical. If you don't get this lesson, if we don't learn from history, then we'll become history ourselves. Yeah. But I don't think God is asking us to become history. Rather, God is asking me to become history makers. And it is my prayer in the name of Jesus that we will not become history or victims of history. We will become history makers in Jesus' name. Lessons learned from Ephesians. Let me just get started. The city of Ephesus was a thriving and commercial city center in what is now located in the country of Turkey. It used to be the fortification of Christianity under the Roman Empire. But as of today, it is now the largest enriched nation in the world and one of the strongest propagators of Islam. You have to scratch your head on that, just just that much. To think that Apostle Paul started a church at Ephesus and not only started a church, they gave us a book that is the most uh, best practice Christian book in the entire scriptures. If you want to know anything about Christianity, about how you should live your life as a believer, The Book of Resurrections is your go-to book. To think that he did all that work and today, that same region is the strongest propagator of Islam. I mean, he has to be ruling over in his grave. Turkey is 99.8% Muslim, leaving only 0.2% as Christians and even this is in decline. There's no longer a church in Ephesus and there's no longer a city there either. All that remains there is an archaeological site. Pastor Shannon and I had a chance to walk the length and breadth of Ephesus this past spring, along with Bishop David Idui and his wife. And all we saw are the ruins and remains of what used to be. And my fear this morning, as we begin this message, this series of teaching, is that you and I will not become history like they are now. And that we will learn from the mistakes and the mistakes that they made so that we do not become only a mere archaeological remain. While we were there, we lamented and said, wow, what happened? How did this happen? And I remember the last day that we were in the country, as we sat in the hotel room to debrief before we left. Bishop Adelio was still very troubled by what we had seen and just realizing that all of this great truth that we now have, all of the great things we have learned from the scriptures came out of this place that's now nothing but just ruins. And I remember Jesus speaking forth and saying through me that Jesus made a promise and a commitment. And that is that I, Jesus, will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this morning, with every fiber in my being, I'm confident that Jesus who had begun such a good work it will perfect everything that concerns you and I and his church in Jesus' name. Now, Apostle Paul started the church at Ephesus on his first and second missionary journey, which we can read this in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I'm not sure if I'm going to read all 10 verses because of time, but let me just read a little bit of it. Acts 19:1. And it happened, now this is interesting because you see, we are, st- we are looking at the book of Ephesus, Ephesus. But the background to the book itself is in the book of Acts. And if you don't recognize and understand this, you just read Ephesians but you don't understand all of the important things that transpired that presented to you on Ephesians. Acts 19.1 says, and it happened while Apollos was a current that Paul Having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus. So we see he came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into th- what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who will come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now the men were about 12 in all. Paul began with just 12. 12 in what will eventually become the strongest, greatest church in all of the New Testament. Some commentators have described the book of Ephesians as the alps of the New Testament. You know, alps, A-L-P-S, mountain range. Arps is located in Switzerland and France, apps In other words, you are scaling a mountaintop. That's what the book of Ephesians is. Others have described it as Apostle Paul's third heaven epistles because everything he wrote concerning the book of Ephesians was from the perspective of how God sees you and I, okay? Now the men were all about 12 in all, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew with the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Watch this now. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Unbelievable. It was the strongest church in Asia Minor. Under Paul's tenure, Ephesus enjoyed city-wide revivals. Demons were cast out. Magicians lost their business. You read about this in Acts 19. Acts 18, 19, Acts 20, Demetrius, which was a false uh, prophet. I mean, this guy said, wait a minute, because of this Paul, I'm losing my trade. We need to, we need to take up this guy. We need to kick him out of town. City wide revivals took place. They enjoyed the blessings of God. But watch this. Not only were there city wide revivals, not only did they enjoy the blessings of God, the church at Ephesus, had the greatest depth of teachers of any church in the New Testament before, now, and forever. Let me pause there for a minute. Paul started the church and pastored this church at Ephesus for three years. This was the place where he stayed the longest of any of his church plans. After him, he brought in Aquila and Priscilla, heavyweight. After them, he brought in Apollos, heavyweight. After that, he brought in Timothy, heavyweight. And as if that was not enough, John, the apostle of love, also pastored at Ephesus. In fact, it was from Ephesus that he was eventually exiled to Patmos. I want to give you background because you need to understand. We must understand their mistake, learn a lesson from it so we don't become history, so that we can be history makers. Amen. When you read up Paul's account of what happened in Acts 20 verse 9 and Acts 20 verse 31, I won't take you into all of that, but I'll just paraphrase it. He said he taught them night and day. Yeah. So this was no sermonette. Thank God for go church. You get 40 minutes every Sunday. Simonette, that was not enough for Paul. He taught night and day. The Bible describes a time when he was teaching when the boy was asleep on the third story <laughs> floor. This guy taught all, he taught into all night and the guy fell, up, fell down and died. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you that if we conservatively say that Paul only taught four hours a day for the three years, he would have taught them 4,380 hours of teaching. Now, if the average Christian today listens to his forty-minute 40 message every week, it will take us one hundred twenty-six years to receive the same amount of teaching that Paul alone, not just Paul, not Aquila and Priscilla, not Timothy, not Apollos, not John, the input of, John, of Paul by himself, will take me and you one. 126 hours so with that being said what happened what happened to the Ephesians church and what can we learn from it in order to fully appreciate what happened we need to go back to what Paul said to them in Acts 20 Acts chapter 20 in verses 17 Acts 20 in verses 17 through 24. So, Paul now is on his way to Jerusalem, and he did not want to go back into Ephesus because he was on his way, but this is what he did. He called for the elders to meet him on the beachfront in Miletus. Let's pick up from there, Acts 20 verse 17. Please pay attention to Paul's farewell message to this church. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Mm. And when they had come to him, he said to them. So first he gives an overview of his ministry time with them. He said, you know, from the first day I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Pause, let me just pause right there. Notice what Paul did not say. He did not remind them of his teachings first. He first reminded them of his lifestyle among them. He said, do you remember how I lived among you? I did not live in an ivory tower as an untouchable. Do you remember my lifestyle among you? that I'm, just, I'm not just about a proclamation, I'm also about a demonstration. Listen, the reason the gospel is not taking as much hold today as it should is because we are proclaiming so much and we're not demonstrating. Our lifestyles are not being consistent with what we're proclaiming. Remember Acts 1-1? Look, the physician. He said, he said to my former account, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of the things Jesus began both to do and then to teach. Preacher, I can't hear you for seeing you. I cannot hear what you're saying for seeing your lifestyle. It was St. Francis of Assisi that says, we should live the life and if necessary preach. Live the life before me. Don't just tell me what to do, model it. Model it because you are making so much noise, and the noise you are making is not consistent from what I see in your life. Now, this goes for all of us preachers and every believer. Our children will not listen to us for seeing how we live. We can't just tell them what to do. You better be demonstrating for them how. To live, So it I really, this arrested me when I read this passage and I had to get to my knees, I say, God help me. Not just to be a proclaimer but also to be a demonstrator because the demonstration of your life speaks much more volumes to what you can say. So he reminded them, first of all, of his life among them, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plot of the Jews. And shall I just say, some of you guys were making, uh, what shall I say, you guys were, I heard some feedback. I said, pastor was crying two weeks ago. Pastor was in tears when we were doing that very difficult thing we did two weeks ago. Paul cried. Yeah. I found myself in good company. <laughs> <laughs> Turning yeah. up is not a sign of weakness. No. It just shows that you can be touched by the feelings of what infirmity. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't ever want to get to that place at some point where the feelings of the infirmities of the body will not touch me. I don't ever want to be insulated from that. Bible talks about how Jesus surveyed with strong tears. Amen? Now, of course, I'm not talking about just weeping and just being a child. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But what we had to address here a couple of weeks ago was deep, was huge. And it was not pleasant yes. it wasn't pleasant okay how i kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaim it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to jews and also to greeks repentance toward god and faith toward our lord jesus christ and see now i go bound in the spirit to jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Ghost testifies in every city, say that chains and tribulations await me. But look at this apostle. He knows what's waiting for him. He didn't catch the next train out of town. He didn't catch the next flight out of town. He knew what was waiting. Chains and tribulation. What does he say? But none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself. Why? So that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, what's this ministry? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was Paul's message. I know some of us are having issues. The gospel of grace, 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 grace. This is the message. So, first he tells them about this lifestyle among them, then he reminds them of the message he gave them. The message of the gospel of God's grace. Now remember, this was his farewell address. And I don't want you to forget where we started. We want to learn what lessons can we glean from what happened at Ephesians so that you and I will not become history. Or rather, will be history makers. So it's giving them this our message, and it's encouraging them. He's telling them, he said, "Listen, I'm going to be gone. I know things are going to happen. Things are happening to me. Things are going to happen to me, but I'm not concerned about that. The important thing is I want to finish my work." Okay. Now it goes on. Let's read some more from Acts twenty verses twenty-five to thirty-five. So not only did he tell him about his ministry, about his lifestyle and his message, now this is where all of us should pay attention to what he's about to say to them, and indeed now I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men, I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now remember, he's talking to the elders. He didn't bring the whole church to him. The elders, who are the elders? Those who are charged with the responsibility of teaching other people. So he says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Two things. Take heed to yourselves. Bank, take heed to yourself and to all the flock. In other words, bank, don't be careless. Elder Joe, don't be careless. Elder Bank, don't be careless. Elder Charles, don't be careless. Take heed, pay attention. Pay attention to what I've taught you. But not only that, to the flock. So whatever I've given you, you have a responsibility to give it to the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Why is he telling them this? Why? Watch this. For I know this. I know, I know, I know this. What do you know, Paul? That after my departure, salvage wolves will come in among you. We need to understand what happened to the Ephesians Church. Why was it that when my my, my wife and I walked up, up, up and down, me and Bishop Adil, you're all over the place, we couldn't find any more church? Why? What happened? Why would a church disappear? It's the strongest church in the New Testament. Why will it disappear? We are looking at the reason. For I know this after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, not just from the outside. Yes, some will come from the outside. But also, elders, bank, Joe, Charles, elders, also, From among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Pause. You see, (laughs) when you read these passages, and Paul is saying savage wolves will come up from among you, or they will come in, some of us think, that these wolves will wear a hat that says, I'm a wolf. (laughs) That they wear a t-shirt and say, well, I'm a wolf, I've come to destroy you. No, no. If they did that, it would be so obvious. They'll come with 99% truth, 1% lie, 1% lie, and that 1% is enough to destroy everything. They will come as sh- wolves in sheep's clothing. They will know the right physiology. When you say, how are you doing, say, I'm fine, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. <laughs> and you say, wow, oh wow, this, this is a brother. Or is this a sister? No, they know, they know the phraseology, They know what's gonna move you. They bring 99% truth and 1% lie. It's already happening in our time. It's already happened. That's why anywhere you find good, sound teaching, thank God for it, embrace it, and give God thanks. Amen. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn every night everyone night and day again. What? With tears. With tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God unto the word of his grace. Again, grace. What's grace going to do to you? It's able to build you up. For those of us who resist grace, you don't want to grow. You don't want to grow because the only avenue for growth is by the enablement of God through grace and faith in his name. That's what Paul is telling them. To the word of his grace which is able to we build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Okay, let me just move on because there's so much to cover here. So Paul wants them. And then after this address, he goes to Jerusalem, is imprisoned. Watch this. Paul, after having given this. Farewell address you think that was enough You think that was enough He gives a farewell address it goes to prison While in prison It prints 13 letters Glory to God I've known a few inmates in my life None of them is writing me to encourage me Instead they are writing to report what happened with the jailer, what they are doing, how they put them in solitary, solitary confinement. They are writing about the things that happened to them that's not good in prison. And they say, please help me. File a, a complaint. Go to a lawyer. Are, this is not Paul's position. What makes this man think? Why is he in pain? Why is he under subjugation? Why is he being in prison? Why? Where does he get inspiration to still write letters of encouragement? 13 of them, three to the Ephesian church. So what we read today in the book of Ephesians, in our scriptures, those six chapters were written from prison. They were written from prison. In other words, Paul felt the need to condense and summarize his three years with them at Ephesus into writing and then send it to them, to remind them. But that's not all. Because for Ephesians, it's in three letters. What we have as the book of Ephesians, and then two separate letters to Timothy, his son, who passed out at Ephesians. So you have the book of Ephesians, you have first Timothy, you have second Timothy. And when you read first and second Timothy, Paul is shouting the same thing. In the last days, perilous times will come. <laughs> the same warning now it is worthwhile to read how he closed that Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 24 how did he close the book verses 23 and 24 Ephesians 6 23 and 24 peace to the brethren and love with faith from God The Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be for all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. Let me read that one more time. Peace to the brethren. Watch the next verse. And love with faith. From God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. In It talks about two kinds of love in that passage. (laughs) Paul ends this teaching, this incredible letter to the Ephesians with two kinds of love. And this is where the church really gets mixed up. In verse 23, he talks about agape love from God And then in verse 24, it talks about my and your response to that agape love, our love for God. Ah, uh, I'm not sure you got it. I'm not sure you got it. It seals this letter by talking to them about two kinds of love. The love you and I receive from God that now enables us to so take that love we've received, to embrace it, receive it, and 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 take it, and then turn around to be able to show love to God and to one another. This is the point. You cannot do verse twenty-four if you've not received verse twenty-three. The church has been busy Santo, <clears throat> love God and love God and love neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> But you cannot do it if you have not embraced verse 23, love from God. Romans 5.5 says, hopes need not to be ashamed for the love of God is being shred above in our hearts. Isn't it interesting seeing this, that Pastor Larry brought us three weeks of teaching from the book of Revelation a couple of weeks ago. You all remember that? Yes. Hello, church, I know. From Revelation chapter 2. Isn't it amazing that the church at Ephesus was planted by the apostle of grace? And the last thing we heard about this church is from the apostle of love. And when John wrote to us under the inspiration of God in Revelation chapter 2. Oh, before I even get there. Not only did the Ephesians get the book of Ephesians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, John himself wrote to us the gospel of John. He was the only one that mentioned to us the issue of Lazarus. In John eleven three. 3. Lazarus was sick, he was dying. And when they called, when the sisters went to Jesus for help, notice what they did not say. They did not say, Jesus, please come because Lazarus loves you. No. That does not get Jesus in your case. Oh, you didn't hear me. Your love for Jesus is fickle at best. Your love for Jesus is only sustained by the good things that happen around you. When things are good, I love Jesus. When I'm in prison, I'm not sure. Fickle! That will never get Jesus to be involved in your situation. The only thing that is constant that will always make him show up is his love for you. Hallelujah. So, the sisters knew Lazarus would die. What did they do? Jesus, the one whom you love is dying, is sick and Jesus showed up. This was John that told us that and then five times from John chapter 13 through John chapter 21, John placed inside the scripture five times he made reference that he, John, is the disciple whom Jesus loves. Now we're going to continue this on Wednesday because I can't finish this today. But it's just instructive to know that that John wrote f- the book of John, 1 John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and all of those books. What's the major theme? Love. Love. The very thing Paul ended the letter to the Ephesians on love. And so in Revelation chapter 2, from the beautiful teaching Pastor Lani did for us two, three weeks ago. What was Jesus' gripe with the Ephesian church? The same Ephesian church. The last mention, the last time the, book, the church of Ephesians is mentioned in the scriptures, Revelation chapter 2. What did he say? I know your walks. I know. You are busy. You are busy bees. You, are, you walk, 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 walk. I know. I know. You don't tire of walking. You walk, 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 walk. But in verse 4, he says, you know what? I have one thing. You have left your first love. And the message this morning to us is there are not two, mes- two lessons from the book of Ephesians, no. There are not three lessons from There's only one lesson from the book of Ephesians. And that lesson is we must return to our first love. One lesson. One singular thing that upended the church at Ephesus. They left their first love and you may ask me what is that you see the church at ephesus started relying on their vast knowledge of the bible ah Paul taught us yes timothy taught us yes apollo's taught us yes just like we do i went to tdj's conference ah women that have lost well, don't you understand? I went to mend out. Ah, uh-uh. don't you understand? a Copeland taught me. Yes. Ah, can I hear again? Yes. Ah, we, we we became many of us. We are looking for cult preachers, cult personalities. We are not grounded in the scriptures. We are looking for human beings to to to, to give us uh, maybe a shot of adrenaline, and then they give it to us for thirty minutes. I mean, ah, yeah, I'm doing well. The efficient church relied on their vast knowledge of the Bible and their prominence as a Christian church. Ah, brother, where you go to church? Oh, I go to World Changers. Ah, yeah, okay. Ah, that must be good. Ah, yeah. Where do you attend church? Oh, I go to First Baptist Church of Stockbridge. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where do you go to church? So we're, 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 we rely on our vast knowledge, the prominence of where we go to service, they began to look unto themselves rather than Jesus. As a result, many fell away. They began to look at what can we do as opposed to what has he done? What can we add to what he has already done? What can, what, what can they began to think ah, we are hard." We we are so what does it mean? To live your first love. Hmm. This is what it means. They were no longer abiding in the love of God. Okay? Jesus told the Ephesians, you have left your first love, or in the Greek, you've you've left your protos agape. Protos means first, agape means love. Protos agape. Agape is a special word that describes the unconditional and self-sacrificing love of the heavenly father. It is not a human form of love. Only God is agape. So this is what it means. Protos means foremost. Let me just take a pause there. When we talk about the first love, you've you've left your first love. Traditional Christian thinking says, ah, Brother Charles, remember how you were so hot when you first got born again. You couldn't pray long enough. You couldn't fast long enough. You read your Bible day and night. You were hot, you are on fire. Now you have a job, you have three kids, you have a wife, and you're just barely reading the scriptures. You've left your first love. Go back and start reading four hours a day, praying four for, for hours a day, fast all day long. That's the traditional interpretation. The traditional interpretation is do more, do more. You used to be a lot before. Why are you slowing down? Do more. You've left, left your first love. You used to be hot. That's the traditional interpretation. Ah, they say, do you remember when you first met your wife? You guys couldn't, you are inseparable. That's because you had no job. <laughs> <laughs> you had nothing to do. No job, no kids, yeah, you are inseparable. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> now, nah, yes, I remember, when you first met your first love, I remember the, 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 the fuzzy, warming feeling. Yeah, that's true. In my case, I've been married for the four years. So if I had to go back to my first love when I first met my wife, yeah, that's fine. But I prefer a little more meat on her body now, you know, than, than when I first met her. But not only that. We have battles cast to show together Amen. for God's faithfulness Amen. that we do not have when we first began. Amen. I will not trade hard now for anything in the world. Yes. I, yes. Why? Yes. I have been well trained in 44 years. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. When you first began was good. But it's better now. Why? You are more experienced. You've won many more victories together. So no, it's not talking about chronology, about when you first began something. No. And it cannot be talking about the first time I first knew Jesus. Because again, I've been born again for a while now. Yes, when I first knew Jesus, it was wonderful, hunky-dory. Yes, this happened. It's true. But now, Me and Jesus have a few battle scars. He's taking me through the valleys of the shadow of death. And I've fought fought a good fight of faith. And I've come out on the other side of it. I know that I can trust him. I know he's faithful. I know he's good. I know he's wonderful. I know he's merciful. I know he's a great God. I know he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. I know that now. I didn't know that then. It takes experience for you to know that. He's taking you through some things and brought you out. He took you in to bring you out. So you know, say, Jesus, I trust you. You are good. You are who you say you are. No, so it's not talking about the way we think what happened in the past. Protos mean foremost. So in the love equation, God's love comes first. He is the source of all love. And your first love is not your love for God, it's God's love for you. I need to bring this to a close here, and I'm going to pick this up on Wednesday. But suffice it to say, suffice it to say, when Jesus told them they left their first love, what he was saying to them is, you've forgotten how I loved you at the beginning. Now you think you need to add something to what I've done to you. The same thing that happened to our forefathers in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve. In God's love, He made all the provision you ever, ever need. And the wolf or the serpent came in and said, no, God didn't do enough. If you really want to be like him, eat this one. So the enemy made them think they were not self-sufficient. Until they did did something on their own. That's what upended the efficient church. They took their eyes off the God who blessed them with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And they began to think, because of the false teachers that came in the church, that they needed to add something. And once you start adding something to what Jesus has done, you're already finished. Because then all of a sudden, things stop. Walking. Lesson learned, return to your first love. Protus agape. The Father of God loves you. And as a result of Him loving you, you are now able to reciprocate. You are now able to turn back and love Him and love others. We are not saying loving God is not good. It is important. Yes, we should love God. But the degree to which you love God is to the degree of the God, love of God that you've received.
0: Yes.
1: You cannot give what you don't have. You'll be operating in fumes, you'll be trying and striving on your own and you will not accomplish much. Amen? Amen? Let's all return to our first love. Now, I'm going to pick this up on Wednesday because I want to show you on Wednesday night how and what, what makes it so difficult for me and you to receive the love of God. There are good reasons. And many of us right now, if I was to ask you, do you believe God's love for you? All of us say yes. We do say yes. But our actions indicate and show us that we don't fully believe it. Why? Perfect love casts out all fear. If I'm still afraid, I'm going to lose my job. If I'm, if I'm still afraid, I'm sick, I will die. If I'm afraid that my wife will leave me, I'm afraid that my husband will leave me, I'm afraid that you, the love of God is not perfect in you. Just, 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 just understand it. If you are still afraid of what tomorrow holds, If if you're concerned about all of that, ah, I just showed you Paul. The man was in prison. And while he's in prison, what was he doing? Writing letters of encouragement. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I know what's going to await me there, but I'm not moved. Why is he not moved? Because the love of God in him is perfected. You and I need that. And until we get there, God forbid, we may become history. But that's not our portion. That's not our lot. God wants me to become history makers and we can only become history makers to the degree that we understand the love of God, embrace the love of God and begin to flow in the love of God. On Wednesday night, I'm gonna show you the hindrances to the love of God, then I'm gonna show you how you can be, um, what's the word? How you can get, you don't have to get it, you already have it, how you can begin to manifest the love of God that's already in you. Wednesday night at 7.30, and all through this series, we're gonna do Sunday morning, Wednesday night at 30. I don't know when we're gonna finish. but that I mean, I don't know when this series will end because I really believe this message this will help us. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time.